This is Chelsea Wingo. And I'm Amy Covell. And this is our podcast, Hashtag Life Goals. I guess I do value other people's opinions maybe too highly because I'm so. just a people because I'm a people pleaser. I'm someone that likes to make people happy. Each week we examine one of our life goals and figure out what steps we need to take to make them a reality. Once you see it on the page, then you can shape it and move it yeah. and make it be what it needs to be. Yeah. And Which then, is like right. so much of the challenge because we're so self-deprecating. So come join us. It's going to be fun. Hello, everybody. I'm Amy Covell. And I'm Chelsea Wingo. And you're listening to Hashtag Life Goals. Yay! (laughs) Today's episode, Hashtag Novelist. Yes, a different format of writing that I very much admire and respect, though I'm very scared of it because it's a different format than screenwriting. (laughs) It can be really intimidating. Yes. I have experimented with all different styles of writing and formats over the years. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is definitely something that I'm interested in delving into deeper. Yes. But it's truly, it's one of your career goals. Yes. um, Yes. I am being very greedy and not only wanting to write and direct movies, I actually have a couple ideas I would love to turn into novels there's actually one that I've had in my mind for at least the last six seven years or so but I just I haven't dived into it because one is like completely this is probably what all writers say it's like completely nothing like nobody wants to write read or write about because it's like so out there it's all sci-fi it's all dealing with morality and this battle between androids and humans and all that fun stuff sci-fi which I'm not See, first in, but it's something that I'm passionate about. It was giving me a look. No, no, no. It's just, it's so funny how different you and I are. I don't struggle in front of an audience. I struggle in front of myself, Mm -hmm. right? It's the same thing with writing. I don't worry about what someone else is going to think about my writing. I worry about making it good enough for me. (laughs) Like, I literally do not care what someone else thinks about my writing. I've never worried that someone is not going to like my script because basically if they don't like it, it's just not their taste and or they're going to be able to actually give me constructive criticism. If they just say they don't like it, then throw their opinion away because Mm. what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Writing is creative. Creative stuff is all really you know subjective to taste it is a good portion of it is and i guess i do value other people's opinions maybe too highly because i'm just because i'm a people pleaser i'm someone that likes to make people happy deep down i like to bring joy because i love this creative aspect so much it's something that i really want to do see i'm my harshest critic but i'm not my harshest critic in the sense that i worry other people are criticizing that's that's my problem. Right. That's why I'm saying we're so opposite. <laughs> I am hard on myself, but it's not because I worry other people are going to be hard on me. <laughs> and I just that's how twisted my demons are. It's a <laughs> creative aspect. I love it so much, but it's a double-edged sword that I have to. It is. But then you know what? That's okay. You know, you can be my yang and I can be your yang. Yes, yeah, sounds like a sounds like a plan. <laughs> well, before we get into it, how are you doing, Amy? Um, good. As everyone on our social media knows, I've had a pretty busy start this fall. You You know, I filmed three things back to back Mm -hmm. and I'm already in pre-production on a couple of other projects. So, um, but I am, you know, stressed out and, you know, trying to 
reorganize some of my side hustles. Mm -hmm. I just got QuickBooks Online certified as a pro advisor. Congratulations. So I'm hoping I can start taking on more bookkeeping and tax preparation clients so I can be doing more of my side hustles from home mm -hmm. um, and really working around my filming schedule. No, that's good. That's very good. That's a goal of mine too. So that's what it's like in my neck of the woods. How about yours, Chelsea? Uh, it's, I'll be honest, it's been stressful. Not going to lie. Um, it's been like highs and lows the last bit of time since we've recorded of uh, potential clients, things not working out, them coming back, and then not working out again. And then just, um, I'm really at the, this point, I'm waiting to get footage or to get stuff to work on because people have told me I have this I want you to work on this yet I'm receiving nothing so I'm in a work anxiety uh, state you're like I can be making money as yes. soon as you give me what I need exactly so I'm kind of in that mind frame and um kind of like worrying about finances and I'm having panic attacks and because I've been so focused on work recently I haven't been really to focus on like you're creative Yes, and I feel that's been very lackluster. So I'm trying to work out that balance. I might have to, I might have to get away for a couple of days. I'm going to be honest. You know, sometimes that's what you got to do. Yeah. I mean, when I was on set, everything was fantastic. I was having a great day every day. Uh, but as soon as I came back down to earth to the side hustles, stress, 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 stress. Yes. No free time between filming and my side hustles. I have yet to have a day off. Like, some of my neighbors didn't even know I was back from vacation yet. And mm -hmm. I've been back for three and a half weeks. Yeah. <laughs> because that's how little I've been around. Yeah. And so uh, it really, it takes a toll. It takes mm -hmm. a toll on your emotions. It yes. takes a toll on your stress level. Um, I'm definitely losing weight, which I'm not complaining about. Um, <laughs> but it is not the healthiest state for us to be in. No, it's not, which is why I'm kind of glad we we're doing this episode because it's a creative outlet. And That's right. Different. So, yay, I'm excited. And I guess on that note, roll into the research. So you did the research for this episode because this is your goal. Yes, it is. Um, I actually, I did a variety, but I have divided it up because uh, since our guest does write, I would love to divide it up with... Um, Things that um, that are tips that are for beginners, and then also things that will doom your novel later on when we introduce her. Because I would okay. love to get her opinion and thoughts on those specific goals and suggestions. Just you know, get her thoughts and opinion on it. You know, love it's it. It's a collective effort. But so I'll get into kind of more statistics. Statistics. Give me the stats. All right, I'll give the stats. All right, from a website called Statista, uh, updated in two thousand nineteen. The number of writers and authors in the United States from 2011 to 2018. 2011, 40,930. Now, from 2018, the last time I checked this, 45,210. So not a huge difference in growth. That growth no. can be kind of attributed just to the growth of the population. Yes. Exactly. So looks like being a, a professional writer is pretty steady. Yeah, it is. It's not one of those industries that has huge fluctuation. Yeah, it's not one that you can go from like zero to 160 or something like that. Right, right. Because I don't know if there's any particular time where books are in more demand than others. Especially in this time age where it's been more digital and TV. 
and also That's online true. streaming. If anything, I would have expected to see a larger jump just because mm-hmm. with digital books, it has become so much easier for people to self-publish. Yes. I would have maybe seen an expected to jump there. I mean, with like Reddit and uh, another website that I can't think of right now that I used. Um, there's a website. I can't remember what it's called. That people would normally write a lot of fan fiction of. Oh. But I definitely used that at one point because I took a Harry Potter class. And <laughs> our final project was to write chapters of the epilogue of after the entire series. That was what our group focused on. And we focused on a bunch of different perspectives of the characters. Our guest fun is writing out assignment. Right I wrote three of the seven chapters. Nice. I forget what the name of the website is, and probably people will be like, it's this, it's this, it's this. But Tweet I can't us. remember. Yes, let us know what At it is, please. Pod. I can't remember what the site is. I know Reddit is one of them, and I can't remember what the other one is. But. Well, even through Amazon, you can self-publish. Oh, yeah, that's right. You yes. can self-publish to Kindle. It's the same thing with um, if you have a movie and you can't get distribution for it. Yeah. Now self-distributing is even easier because you can self-distribute through Amazon. Um, You upload your content and there are different terms and stuff. Like say you want to do DVDs, they'll only make DVDs when they're ordered. So you're not having to pay for 500 DVDs and then you only sell a hundred of them, Mm -hmm. which has also been one of the challenges with self-publishing writing is you never know how much to buy. And if you can't get it into stores, you're, it's mm-hmm. it's a real crapshoot, and you're investing not just your heart and soul into the writing, but your your money into getting your writing out there. Now with digital books, there's no cost really associated <laughs> with it. Like you know, the only cost is you know getting it copyrighted, getting a copy editor. Mm-hmm. Those are the real, and then of course marketing it. Yes, exactly. So the next website is Occupational Outlook Handbook. For writers and authors, again, more statistics, 2019. So the 2018 median pay, $62,170 per year, which is around average 29.89 per hour, which our guest is shaking your head. Again, if you're is, an accomplished, an accomplished, accomplished writer, writer yeah, exactly. then yes, you could bring in 62K a year. Exactly. But, you know, they don't call artists starving artists for nothing. Usually yeah. it takes a long time to get there. Oh, yeah. And that will be the statistics that they get into a little bit later. Uh, typical entry-level education of writers, they say, is bachelor's degree, which, okay. I don't know if that's completely Anybody can be a writer, <laughs> yes. but I think typically people who are drawn to that profession have a tendency to continue on with higher education. Yes. Uh, number of jobs, but they said in 2018... 123,000. So, uh, well, if there's 43,000 writers, you know, in the U.S. and there's 129,000 jobs, Mm -hmm. that means we got a whole bunch of unqualified people out there writing. (laughs) BuzzFeed, we're talking to you. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm not going to get into any antics. We got that. All right, so the next two was kind of interesting what they said, so I want to know your thoughts. It said Job Outlook. 2018 to 28, 28, so 2028. So over the next 10 years, 10 years. what's the job outlook? 0%, it said. Basically, they don't see any change in the no. job market. No. Which, in the previous 10 years, we didn't see a huge lift in how many writers there is. So it's not one of those jobs that's constantly changing. Yeah, and then employment change for that same time period, 2018 to 2028, minus 100. So it's like... 
<laughs> it's that idea that a lot of uh, written publications are closing. Everything's going to digital. Mm -hmm. um, even the news has gone to like really fast news. It's all about the headlines. There's very yeah, little content the in it. A lot. Right. And this is one of those. This is one of those areas that I think is really hard to predict. It is. I mean, it's the same thing with with movies and TVs and any sort of creative form of outlet. It is hard to predict. Because it's really about the consumer. Yes. And that can change at the drop of the hat. Yeah. If Kylie Jenner jumps on her Instagram and says, oh, my God, you have to read this novel. Yeah. Then, lo and behold, a bunch of those novels will sell. All right. So the next article is The Writer's Odds of Success from HuffPost from 2013. So mm -hmm. this is to be a little bit more uplifting, shall we say. Pollsters report that more than 80% of Americans would like to be an author. In 2011, statisticians counted 329,259 books were published in the U.S., and 2.2 million were published around the world. Even the most successful authors that have a combination of talent, persistence, and luck, they've had their fair share of struggles. Mystery writer Janet Evanovich, I'm hopefully I'm pronouncing that, pulled in 33 million in the previous year, but wrote for 10 years before getting published. She labored first in the romance field before hitting it big with the bounty hunter Stephanie Plum. Well, I mean, even just think about the start of, you know, your Harry Potter writer. Uh, that was the next success that I was going to get into, J.K. Rowling. She was rejected by a dozen British publishing houses and reportedly got into print for a 1.5K pound advance only after an eight-year-old daughter of a publisher begged them to do it. So it was right. thanks to an eight-year-old that right. J.K. Rowling got because to start. Because weren't she and her daughter homeless for a while? Yeah, the, I did a report on J.K. Rowling when I was yeah, younger. They were homeless. She wrote the pages on the back of napkins at right. coffee shops. She was kind of on her last leg. Yes. And um, even in all of that tragedy, she was still clinging to the magic of that creative writing can be. And look where she is right now. Exactly. Exactly. You just never know. She's big enough to, you know... To she could write retire she... for the rest of her life at this point if she wanted to. She probably could have after the first Harry Potter book. Yeah, but she just kept on writing. Exactly. Yeah. And then um, Stephen King's first big novel, Carrie, was rejected 30 times. He tossed it in the wastebasket, but then his wife fished it out. He earned $39 million in 2012. Yeah. So, so that was his wife telling him, no, keep pushing. You've got this. <laughs> In 2006, Publishers Weekly said that the average book sells less than 500 copies. And something that you will probably hear, it's cheesy, but it's true. All you can do is write and try, write and try. Most others, even famous ones, did that for years. Or you can explore other kinds of writings, reporters, editors, broadcast announcers, public relations, and technical writers. Yes, half of them have that half-finished novel in their desk drawer. May the blessings of James Patterson's be among them. <laughs> That's what it said is the final line of that That's article. Funny. That's very funny. But yeah, there are lots of ways. And especially now, as we said, with the growth of digital technology, there's even more ways for you to earn a living writing from home yes. to help support your creative endeavors. Mm -hmm. If you're a true writer, you can pop out five or six stupid fluff pieces for a website in like two hours and yeah. then spend the rest of your day working on your novel. Yes. Agreed. That is actually something that I have looked into in the past. I actually have signed up for some stuff. I just never 
got into it because either one, I wasn't inspired by it or I've used the excuse, oh, I have this other work. So it's something I've dabbled with a little bit to maybe get into. But again, I'm I'm taking a couple well, of days. To, to be fair, mm-hmm. you are better paid as an editor than you would yes. be writing those fluff pieces. Yes. So in all reality, mm-hmm. your editing as your main side hustle yeah. will be more beneficial and allow you more creative time to yourself than doing that would. No, I agree. But it's an option for people who really want to focus on writing, especially if there's someone who will be easily distracted. Like if they're working a day job, they can't find the time to write. Mm -hmm. So if they stick with a side hustle day job that is focused around writing, it keeps those creative juices flowing. It keeps them in the habit of writing. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely beneficial for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Definitely. <sighs> well, I've had a fair share of knowledge. I want to know from an expert. Shall we bring on the guests? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. So this guest that I want to bring on, she is a fellow aerialist, but she is also a published author for a bunch of poetry books, and her name is Morgan Nicola Red. Say hi. Hi, guys. <laughs> I'm just- <laughs> this is why I write and I don't publicly speak. Like, nothing's going to sound, like, effortless. It's just going to be me, like, yes, words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Well, welcome, Morgan. We're so happy to have you on today. Yes. I'm glad to be here. Yes. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about more of your writing accomplishments and who you are and all that juicy stuff? Oh, yeah. Because if you don't, we'll pull them out. Yes. Like, we've already done our research. <laughs> it's, like, it's what you had said about the Huffington Post article Um, One of the things they said about there being like, it's a combination of talent and drive and luck. I think that's incredibly, incredibly true. Because like, there's always, I think everyone has like a creative spark inside them. And then like, it takes like cultivating that. It takes finding like really good support systems. It takes like, just sometimes you get like tiny little sparks of luck where you're like, I need to utilize this. And there comes like a point of preparedness you need for that. And so it is like a giant... The word coming to mind is cluster cuss, as in fantastic Mr. Fox, but (laughs) that's not what we're going for. Um, But it is a giant convergence of, I think, a bunch of things. And, like, I just feel that, like, looking back at, like, and I'm not even, like, I don't even think really big as far as it. Like, I wrote four small poetry books, but they're small press books. They did, like, very well for small press, but there's Mm -hmm. still stuff I want to do. Like, I have a novel right now that's scaring the crap out of me. I'm actually headed off to edit it after this. Ooh. I have to send so it in. So have you done your first draft? Is it? Yeah. Woo! Hey, oh, bless that's you. the first huge pump, right? Like it's you so finish, hard. You finish okay. spitting it out onto the page. Yes. And now it's just the grueling editing well, process. Then, yes. Out but, of like, you know, yeah. you're moment, working with already, what's already there now. This moment of like utter craziness, I wrote to this novelist that I really liked who dealt with a lot of similar genres. And I was like, hey, I was wondering if I had a chance you did editing. And she was like, well, when can you send it? And so now I'm like, oh, so we're going to see how good I can make that look (laughs) in the small time frame I'm given. And so that'll be fun. Um, So, yeah, I think it's always a matter of, like, just continuing to push forward and such. And Mm -hmm. there really is, like, it's a lot of work, but there is, like, such a beautiful, like, experience to this process and to the people it connects you with. Um, So, which, that's really Yeah, no, definitely. I mean... I'm more of a screenwriter mm-hmm. than a novel writer, but I definitely can relate to, um, you know, when you finally finish a project, even if it's like complete 
I don't want to say complete shit, but like it's not the best that it can oh, be. Oh, all writing is complete shit. The, the first time around, the first draft Hemingway said. Yep. Yes, exactly. So I just and it's true. It is. It's really just spitting it out on yeah. the page, getting the yeah. idea out of your head so that way, once you see it on the page, then you can shape it and move it yeah. and make it be what it needs to be. Yeah, and which then, is like right. so much of the challenge because we're so self-deprecating. Yes. But like the idea, giving enough respect to an idea, you have to see it through. Like, just to get it first written out is, I think, the hardest part. And then from there, it's like, well, it's only going to get better from here. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That's my struggle. After I write a sentence, I write a line, and I see the page number, I'm like, I should go back and change that. Nope. You got to push for it. Even it's 250 pages, which was how long my first script was that I ever wrote. Right. You got <laughs> oh, that's a tome. There's only so much you can glean, like, while yeah. you're still in your own head. Mm -hmm. Like, which... Literally, like, it doesn't matter how many freaking things I write, I will send it, I've worked with six different editors, and they all say the same thing with the first draft, which is, you need to cut down not as many words, and mm -hmm. I know you like big words, but choose less of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what all of them have said, so it happens. <laughs> yes, that is, that is good to know. That is good to know. Um, so, Morgan, can you tell us about getting your first book of poetry published? Um, that was, that was a nice little adventure. Um, what happened was, I'm gonna go, like, a little further back. I had written a novel. It was a middle grade novel, which is, like, the genre that I really love, is I love, um, fantasy for both, um, kids and teens. So I had written this novel, I was mm -hmm. taking it to... Um, a conference in New York, and it was the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators conference, which is fantastic. Like, the people they get are, like, out of this world. And they had had um, Kwame Alexander up there, among many others, and he had just won the Newbery um, for his kids' book, The Crossover. And the thing that made The Crossover really interesting was it was a book of free verse, so it was all poetry. And so he got up talking about it, and I'm like, well, that sounds nice. I mean... I wrote poetry for a while and I miss doing it. At the time I had been like writing for like different literary magazines and such, but not like buckling down being like, yes, this is what I do. Mm -hmm. And so um, I got, I took like some of my work to a panel of agents. They were really cool about it. Um, they had like really nice feedback. And then I went to like different seminars, like throughout the weekend and between like Kwame Alexander talking about poetry and um, them talking about how, books like should have each chapter being its own independent short story. I'm like, well, what if I just spent some time writing poetry and short stories for an exercise to get better and more clear about what I want to say, because poetry will make me very deliberate about word choice. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's what I did. And then I kept doing it. And then like, on a whim was like, well, I would like to see what people think of the word choices. Like, I don't know if I'm doing them right. So I made like this little Facebook page um, for my work. And then that ended up, this was in, like, the golden age of Facebook, that ended up, like, taking off, and it got, like, 70,000 followers. And I'm wow. like, well, I guess I should write a book now. And so, <laughs> I'm not joking, this is what happened. I, I wish it was, like, something way more noble, but it was like... Sometimes it's just the universe has to give you the push. Well, I did this writing exercise, and people seem to like it, so... And so, I was also writing short stories a lot, which I still love doing, um, to try and get the whole concept of, like, plot arc and everything down for when I would go and edit those chapters. And so I had written this short story about a girl with an abusive muse. You can 
decide whether that was based on real life. Um, so, like, the whole concept of being in love with this dream and this art that just won't love you back. Right. And mm -hmm. so... I really liked, yeah, I really liked oh, yeah. the story a lot. And so what I did was I split it into seven parts and then I would do like a part of the story and then a series of poems that went along with that. And then a part of the story and a series of poems. And so that was my debut book, Magic with Skin On, which was really fun. And I ended up, um, I talked to a couple of places about potentially publishing it. There was a really sweet small press, um, that was talking to me and I just like, had to ask and I was like if you'll excuse me asking like how much would it be like royalty wise if I signed with you and they told me and it was what they could afford like it wasn't like they were trying to like cheat me or anything it's just they were they a were small a, they were a house. small house because when you write poetry um a lot of publishing houses don't do poetry at all and right. the ones that do are very small market yeah and so I was like well thanks very much um and then I went on and I started researching like how many would I have to sell to make a profit on this and based on my following and the costs and such, I was like, well, I'm just going to put it out myself. And so I opened up an imprint called Luminarium Press, which I really like, that's my baby. Ooh. And I put it out and it took about a year of it, like just gradually building, um, building mm -hmm. but I got really, really lucky with it. I put it out at the beginning of 2017 and by the end, it had gotten a Goodreads Choice nomination for the Best Poetry Book of the Year, and I was like, what on wow. earth? And so, it, yeah, it, it's one of those things of it, that still, like, blows my mind. And then Barnes & Noble found it and, like, put it up on their website under, like, 25 must-reads for National Poetry Month. And I was like, I went, like, I went to the coffee house where I had written the majority of that book, sat down, and just started crying when that like That's the coffee, adorable. the coffee house I've been writing in for years, where like they know me, and if they know I'm on deadline, they'll like bring me extra coffee free of charge, and like oh, tell their new hires who I am, what I do, and what my favorite drink is, so that they know. So they can <laughs> like, all take care of you and support oh, you yeah, in your creative endeavor. Yeah, and I, the poetry community itself, speaking of support, is incredible. Um, yeah. because so much of it's the genre itself is a dark horse. Like no one expected it to be as big as it is. Like, it's really starting to take off right now to the point where bigger presses are beginning to be like, oh, do we want to do this? Um, yeah, poetry was getting a lot of attention when I mm -hmm. was in high school. That was when the poetry mm -hmm. slam started happening all mm -hmm. across the country. Yeah. Um, I dated a guy who was a national poetry slam champion. Oh, nice. wow. um, he wrote some poetry that I have copied over and over into multiple notebooks to make sure oh. I don't lose it. Yeah. Because I'm, and it's not about me or anything. It's just some of his poems that yeah. I just was so enamored with. He's yes. such a good writer. Mm -hmm. And, but I remember in high school, Oh, I would say probably once a week we were at a coffee house at mm -hmm. a poetry reading. Mm -hmm. You know, I was part of um, the campus club open artistic forum or OAF. Oh, <laughs> and uh, we put out a literary magazine at the end of the year. But leading up to that, every week all it was was people coming in and reading their poetry, reading their yeah. writing, playing their music, showing their artwork. Yeah, I my school did poetry slam uh, a little bit, and I was lucky enough to be uh, someone that went on it. But uh, my the dull edge sort of that story is that. My teacher chose me, but everybody else wanted someone else. Oh, <laughs> so they made it. So they chose me. So the teacher chose me, but my classmates 
picked somebody else to yeah. go up. So, I mean, I mean, she was great as well, but it was just felt like it was a double-edged sword that they were like, right, we don't right. want you. But okay. Yeah, but okay. <laughs> High school. It's a popularity contest. High school is oh. politics. So. Fucking it shit is. it is. It is. But, you know, like, I was in high school in the late 90s, early 2000s, mm. so that was when that culture was really blossoming. Yeah. And it's been yes. getting, like, more and more strong as time goes on, and I think it's greatly to do with the technology and the rise of technology because on one hand, it's a lot more alienating because people tend to disappear into things like social media and virtual worlds and such. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, it's easier don't really, to share your work. It's easier yes. to share your work. And also, I think there's more of a thirst for it because we're finding ourselves so much more cut off. Right. That, like, the poets I find, like, are the most refreshing and beautiful thing because I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, someone, you want someone across the world to. feels it, too. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think that's especially refreshing now. Did you ever go to the website melodramatic.com? No. Oh my I've god. Website, I've yeah. brought it up before. Mm-hmm. I know I still have the t-shirt that says point click bitch. Um, melodramatic.com was where I used to post a lot of my poetry. That and poetry.com when it was still around. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was definitely that place that you went to be able to explore some of those darker feelings mm-hmm. and get out some of that as I've said before, angsty teen love poetry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I had a phase where um, I would go through, I did this for about a month, uh, I think a couple years ago. I had a phase where I wanted to write more, so what I did is I would pull out um, dreams that I had that I wrote down, because I never started started dreaming until about high school, and that was when I would vividly remember them, and I would write them down. So I would take out a dream that I wrote down, try to decipher my horrible, horrible handwriting, (laughs) and create a story under 60 minutes or less and then post it. Oh, that's so cool. So I did I did that for about a month and then I stopped because I got bored with it or something, but it's but just it's a cool exercise. Really it's a cool exercise for a while. Yeah, I I think that's my issue right now is that because I've been so focused on reality and money yeah. and that stuff, I have not really found a steady writing exercise to keep it yeah. going. And I would love to hear as a fellow writer of you know, mainly poetry, but then also, you know, you have your novel working. Oh, it's, I have three novels. Three novels, three novels, yes. <laughs> I wrote it's, one, I wrote a draft to a follow-up, and then I wrote this one. <laughs> yeah, no, I have a movie idea that I have one written up, I have an idea for a second, and then I have a draft-up yeah. idea for a third as a trilogy series, but that's aside the point. Yeah. The plan had always been to do novels, I still don't know how poetry happened. Like, <laughs> I'm really glad it did, yeah. but I sometimes I still wake up and I'm like, what do I do? Like, yeah, it's I'm like, also a librarian, yeah, but, so it's not yeah. like I've hit bills with poetry. <laughs> yeah, what, Lest I mislead any of you out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I would love to hear from you is what is a really good technique or exercise that you have found works for you to keep you motivated and keep you going in terms of writing? No matter if it's poetry or mm-hmm. just writing and to a short story or novel or something. What's something that's helped you? At least 10 minutes a day. Especially 10 minutes a day if you're feeling overwhelmed and you don't think you have anything creative in you because I find that the times I get overwhelmed when I'm like working a ton with my day job Mm -hmm. and such I'm like well there's just nothing there like it's no use there's no time there's and then I think even worse like oh my gosh there's no way I can sit down for an hour Mm -hmm. um which is what I try to do each day but some days I just can't and so surprisingly enough when I tell myself I only have 10 minutes to say something I find I have a great deal to say (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Ah, and so that's 
honestly, some of the really cool stuff has come from the 10 minute exercises of like, you get 10 minutes and then you have to put the pen down. Um, I like that a lot because definitely under time constraint, that's when yeah. you feel more pressure. So when you kind of put that on, but it's an avenue that you love, you'll at least put something off and yeah. then maybe later on you would want to, oh, but I want to keep on saying more. I want to do more. And there are sometimes just the 10 minutes is all you need and you push through. Which yeah. is why in a lot of English classes, you know, usually that first 10 minutes is mm -hmm. some sort of creative writing prompt or a free write. It's yeah. to get you going because mm -hmm. the hardest thing is to get us to put the pen to the paper. Exactly. Once that's we start, we've got all the ideas in the world. Yes. Exactly, because that's my thing. I feel like mine's a more flow in and out because sometimes I will not be in a writing mood, but mm -hmm. then other times I will be very like, oh, this inspired me to do this, or yeah. this inspired me to do that, and then I want to keep on writing and keep going, and other times I just don't feel it. Yeah, so. it's it's difficult. I try to I try to do it at least like for 10 minutes a day, most of the time for more, but mm -hmm. it's what helped me is doing it at the same time each day because yeah. that way your brain just like, after you do it enough, is like, oh, okay, so we're going into this place right now, so I can let my guard down and hear some things. You know, it's not building consider. a structure like, that your brain understands. Yeah, and yeah. so, like, yeah. literally, like, there's a time in the afternoon every day when I, like, sit down and do it, and it's gotten a lot easier since then. I used to, like, just try and fit it in whenever I could mm -hmm. um, in the day, and I found it was harder to get myself there, but, like, when I started making it the same time each day, it got, it easier. got way easier to do. Yeah, sorry, I'm just already picturing in my mind, because of my current schedule right now, what I do, maybe when I can squeeze that mm -hmm. in there, even if it's just the 10 minutes. After you shower, after boxing. That's honestly exactly <laughs> what I've been thinking about, it. after I have my breakfast, and after I kind of have like a little chill moment. And before then, you yeah. dive into work for the before day. Before I dive into work. because it's 10 minutes for you. Exactly, because then during the afternoon is more, I work more of like a 12 to 8 yeah. with the current schedule I have. Okay. That's more of when I do my editing and all that. Yeah. fun stuff in the morning is kind of when I have to recoup from tiring of boxing and all that so then during the morning yeah. would be when I have a little bit more free right because you're not sure what's going to what the afternoon's going to bring exactly. so the better better to get it on part of your schedule that is already pretty set in stone so yeah. your morning workout is pretty set like yeah. you don't miss that very often yeah. so it no I, I it helps me get motivated it helps a lot with my emotional box <laughs> <laughs> it helps a lot with my motion with my emotion stability even if yeah. I I'm a crying mess or I was like maybe an hour ago I yeah. <laughs> it really helps with like mentality and because of how close it is and all that fun stuff it's something mm -hmm. that has helped me kind of yeah. keep going so that has become part of my schedule so now I want to include something of writing whether it's for what I'm feeling for a movie thing for a mm -hmm. short story for a novel whatever it will be I want to include that more so that way I have more of that balance yeah. and I don't feel so stressed out so I, I love the 10-minute idea thing. It takes so much pressure off the days where you're like, I just can't do this. Like, mm -hmm. so, yeah. Do you have any additional tips for, like, dealing with writer's block? Honestly, the 10 minutes for writer's block also, like, and this can work both ways, read people that scare the crap out of you because they're so good. Um, like that a lot. Because I think that or at least for me, I understand different people deal with writer's block different ways. Um, but typically writer's block for me comes from fear. It's fear of like, just putting out mediocre work or fear of telling a story that I don't know if I want to tell or like saying a truth that I'm not sure I want to. Um, and I find what spurs that on is like, seeing like what it could become like reading Mary Oliver or Anne Sexton or like contemporaries now like Sarah Kay mm -hmm. and such who are just like oh like Alicia Harris and Carrie Brzezinski I'll give you a list yes, um I if you want that. anyone wants to pursue that please 
but yeah, I find that's like one of the most inspiring things is like remembering what truly good good craft does to you and remembering that that is the ultimate goal. Right. And that it's not just simply Creating like this masturbatory like somebody else going in circles, but mm-hmm. being like no, I'm trying to achieve something higher. I'm trying to like bring about this like experience. I'm not just sitting here like trying to sludge away and like write about my breakups and make people pay to read about them. And so right, it's that idea that, you know, your creative endeavor should in, should evoke feelings and emotions from others. Yeah. Yes. Um so yeah, typically what happens a lot of times when I have block or writer's block, it turns out I'm not enjoying it enough as someone who takes it in. Mm-hmm. And that's never a good idea because a like I don't want to just like get caught in an echo chamber of my own voice because I only have so many things like in so many ideas and so many ways my brain works I want to listen to other people um I want to take in art and not just like keep pushing out stuff that's like tired and stale and so mm-hmm. a lot of times like if I'm going through writer's block then I will just like spend a long amount of time reading or I'll put on like button poetry's channel and like listen to that in the car and such and remember like mm-hmm. no you're doing this because you love it you're doing it because it does like beautiful things to you like you're doing this because it's a really powerful and gorgeous and otherworldly medium. And so that typically lights up a lot more inspiration than just, I know some people are like, just sit down and like do it anyways. But like, if your brain is exhausted, well, sometimes that's about like more of getting over a hurdle. Yeah. You're struggling with, you just got to keep writing. And Mm -hmm. that's another question because so many times it's like, well, is it writer's block? Because do you not want to write it because it's, the idea itself scares you and you think people won't like it or do you not want to do it because you know you can do better and Mm -hmm. your brain is exhausted and you're just running on fumes and so that's been an interesting thing um to identify with my own work is sometimes because it's two different symptoms yeah it's the same symptom for two different issues yeah it's identifying two different solutions identifying what the issue is whether it's just like are you second guessing yourself too much or are you realizing like yeah. No, you need mm-hmm. to give your voice, like... I've had a real hard time to get back into creative writing in any form um, over the past 10 years, 11 mm-hmm. years. Yeah. Uh, well, even more so. So when I was with my ex-fiance, mm-hmm. I found I wasn't writing anymore. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was because I was finally happy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I apparently only write when I'm <laughs> fucking miserable. <laughs> I don't but know what cultural thoughts would have perpetuated that right all the writers like well because you know whiskey (laughs) (laughs) the amount of whiskey (laughs) the amount of whiskey that this girl has consumed before she got sober um but my thing was is i think because i had just come out of that phase where a lot of my writing was about unrequited love Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so then when i was in this relationship I attributed the fact that I was not motivated to write creatively to the fact that I'd finally found love. Yeah. I had not. Yes. Um, I had found somebody who could control me and um, demean me and all of those horrible things. And so when I came out of that relationship and I slowly started just rediscovering myself, Mm -hmm. then like I tried to get back into creative writing, but then came the fear. Yeah. Then came the fear of, I don't know how to start again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's why when we did that exercise for hashtag relationship goals, 
I was really excited to do that because it gave me a goal that I had to meet and I had to write for. Mm -hmm. And even this last year, just going through all of my angsty teen love poetry and Mm -hmm. putting it all into one compilation has renewed my sense of self and my sense that I do have something to share that I can write and that writing is a worthwhile thing for me to do. Yeah, no, uh, next to my desk, I literally have three drawers worth of ideas Mm -hmm. of stuff I've either, most of it is stuff that I've written down on paper and I want to write and only like a handful of them have I actually written or made them into films or whatnot. And it's literally like 20 in like each one and they're all divided by the alphabet and by numbers and stuff like that. Yes. So I was looking at that the other day because I recently organized my desk space because of um, other stuff. I was just like, yeah, I want to do that. And I also have like a file of uh, organizer right next to on the wall that show the projects that I'm working on right now mm-hmm. um, in terms of like either short or long films or even like short stories. Some. And I, when I see things that inspire me, that have inspired me to work on that stuff, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I, I want to get back into this. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you bring up an interesting point about how like you thought you were writing anymore because you were happy. And there's the whole like idea that like artists are miserable and that like good art comes from pain and such. And I think that some of it does. Yeah. I think I that's think very I true. Material. I think it's very cathartic. Like yes, I think yeah. it's a beautiful way to purge pain, oh, but yes. it's not the only way to make art. And so like, mm-hmm. it's funny cause I'm like, if I had a freaking nickel for every time I was going through like something really hard and someone was like, well, this will make great material for your next book. And I'm like, but am I just supposed to, like, you can yeah. go through this, and everyone's like, oh, they're there, and you get hugs. I'm just, supposed to, I'm just supposed to mine this. And so then it gets really interesting because you start to wonder, like, well, is the stuff coming out of me, is it only valuable if it's upsetting or if it's shocking or if it's raw, like, and yeah. really up. Mm-hmm. And so coming to terms with, like, because I started writing, like, a decade ago when I was massively unhealthy, and then, like, the life decisions I've made from there, and, like, getting into a much more stable lifestyle and stuff and still trying to thrive creatively and realizing like, Oh no, you bought into this giant lie that you were only good as a poet when you were like being crazy self-destructive. But there's all these other things that your brain is now free to think about that. It wasn't free to think about when you were just making like horrific decisions. (laughs) So let's, let's look into those. (laughs) That's a good point. Yes. Good point. Um, actually that inspires me to pull up. Um, I, so like I said, I was looking into like what you have done and I've purchased one of your books this morning. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Yay! Bring yourself um, the creators. <laughs> and actually I think, all right, I think I actually have to pull it up on my phone because. So, and so I was reading through, you know, one of, one of your books. I pulled up My Dearest Hurricane Love <laughs> and the things that looked like it. And you can tell what type of thing I am drawn to because yeah. of my own creative choices um, in the past. Mm-hmm. And the one that I, the one that I marked that I was like, oh my God, I love this, was uh, poem number three. <laughs> oh, are we, are we going to have a little... Reading? I think we should have a reading. Oh, yes! <laughs> yes, Morgan! So, it's so weird, like, because, <laughs> like, even watching something come into fruition, you write it, like, years before, and then it gets, like, put into a book, and then, like, the editing process goes, and then, like, the graphics and such, and then it's finally ready to go, so that by the time it actually comes into fruition, you're like, 
I said what? And so <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so shall we have our author yes. read it? I'm actually going to see if I can pull it up on the computer, so uh, that way we don't have to move our uh, Amazon Kindle. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> and now a dramatic <laughs> reading from Morgan Nicola Wren of which poem? Um, this poem is from My Dearest Hurricane. Um, one thing that frightens me so much are titling things, and so I come up with one good title per book, and it's what I call the book, and then I just number the poems from there. Okay. So it's poem number three. Poem number three. There are futures that seem so inevitable, they make memories of themselves far before their time. Call it a secondhand sense reaching desperate for me through the music to graze goosebumps across my arm. Call it a murky warning clouding up my ears, just enough to make your voice a fragrant haze. Call it whatever you like. The point is I can see the ghosts of all we're going to destroy, draped in white wisps through the air. We're going to drink each other in, smooth as cigarettes and twice as deadly. But for now, I just hold your breath hostage from across the room. Thank you. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. You'll see I'm still, like, struggling with, like, being asked to read my work aloud because I, like, blaze through it crazy quick. Right, she just wanted it to be over. Oh, she my wanted gosh. to be over. No, I had a release party. Like, I was working with a place called Epiphany Space LA. I was their, their artist in residence for the summer, and they threw me a release party for Poems from the Attic. And it was hysterical because one of the appeals to writing to me is I just get to write it down and then throw it at you and I don't have to be around when someone reads it. Um, but yeah, right when everyone throw it at you, I like that. When everyone expects you to read it like out loud, like I was so freaking nervous. I like sweated through my dress. I ended up like going off on this tangent telling the story about the bird I had that died when I was 10. Like, <laughs> oh. I was so nervous I forgot oh, to We never do books. that here. <laughs> uh, oh god, Amy's giving me the stare to the flashback of when I babysat some gerbils and <gasps> one of them died in my hands. Oh no. No, actually no, it was squirming in my hands. I put it back in the case, started ramming itself in the corner of the cage and no. died. Right. Yes, and this is when I was like 11 or 12, so I was scarred, and I was crying, and That's I called for my parents. awful. Yes, and of course, when I told that story on the Life Goals episode, Amy, our producers, Nico, and Marcus, hi, how are you doing? They kept on shouting, bird box, bird box, bird box. I've never seen it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it had just come out. It just <laughs> came out at that point, so it's just like, okay, for those that know the reference that I'm talking about, you, you, you get, get it. it. You get oh it. Oh my gosh. Mm. I'm well, so sorry that happened to you. Uh, I was 11 or 12, it's fine. I probably could have written an interesting poem about it. I <laughs> want a 12-year-old poem. You, about... you could write a cute, you know, children's book about dealing with death. Maybe. There is dealing one with dealing with death, death. And it's about yeah. a mouse. Oh. It's about a mouse. Ooh. Well, this one, I think, you know, obviously this is spoke like... to me for my issues that I have. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, I liked some of the imagery you used, you know... The murky warning was the first thing that grabbed me. A murky warning. I'm like, yup. Mm -hmm. uh, all have. The murky warning that I just straight up ignored. <laughs> that I'm like murking myself. Like, right? I don't know there's, what this premonition is saying. Right. right. There's another um, podcast that I listen to and one of their guests that's on all the time. She says that women, we have a tendency to paint the red flags green. Yes. We see the red flags yes. and we paint them green. Yeah. Um, oh and I was like, that is the perfect 
that is the perfect description. We yes. exactly do that. I'm you know, <laughs> 34 years old and I still fucking do that. Mm -hmm. And um, after that, then every single um, alliteration or imagery really continued to just speak to the way that I have found myself in certain relationships. Oh, I'm glad that connected. I'm sorry it did, but also. <laughs> that's, okay, that's, that's why That's why what you do is so important, is to be able to connect with people. Speaking of important and murky and connecting with people, um, I would love to, uh, which one do you want to start with? Do you want to start with the seven things that will doom your novel or eight tips that will be great for beginner writers? Oh. <laughs> Let's start with the doom and gloom. Sounds, yeah, exactly. Then we can end on a happier note. Exactly. Okay. All right, so this is from Writer's Digest from 2016. These are seven things that they have said that will doom your novel. Wait for inspiration. People that do this end up going backwards in terms of novel writing. Amen. <laughs> and said they should do things like establishing a writing quotient, like what you've talked about, and review the previous day's writing and move on. Yes. They can get into the story and the flow, but just move on from what you've written and go forward. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, your your instructor, mm -hmm. he said the same thing. He's like, yes, you Tim. rewrite the pages that you wrote the day before and then yeah. write more pages. Exactly. Tim, all the love you, all that fun stuff. Look over your shoulder. From the quote of Jack Bickham, yes, Amy, all of us are scared of looking dumb, of running out of ideas, of never selling our copy, of not getting noticed, we fiction writers make a business of being scared and not just of looking dumb. Some of these fears may never go away, and we may just have to learn to live with them. And these were ways to kick the inner critic, critic to the curb. The five-minute non-stop, which is where the writer uh, writes for five minutes in the morning without stopping, mm. just write without correcting. A page-long sentence. Choose something to describe. Oh my room god, please don't do that. Oh. <laughs> I am suffering through David Foster Wallace's infinite jest right now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this, is second, this is the second time I've tried to read it. That was I'm a in... pure Schadenfreude, like <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> he has sentences that go on for a page and a half and say nothing. Okay, so then uh, so, but for those that want to do it, but if you're Amy, then don't. <laughs> And then the next thing would be the list maker. When you're stuck in an idea, make a list, brainstorm without assessing, turn off the filter, and then afterwards pick the best one mm. to go forward. Ignoring the craft. That's a big no-no. Uh, they say that you need to analyze successful stories yes. to help you understand what makes a story work well. Yeah. How does the writer make you want to turn the page? Why am I drawn to the lead character? When are the stakes raised and what makes a scene work? And so much more. Mm -hmm. Like, for script writing a little bit, there is the bone structure, shall we say, yeah. of a story, right. of both write, script writing and novel writing, or whatever format, and then you add the flesh and the bones. No, not the flesh and bones. The bone's already there. The you add the flesh, you add the details, you add, like, the color coordination and the outfit, mm -hmm. let's say. And Don't then, forget the muscles. And the muscles. If, if you want to have them, have muscles. If you want to be a big blob, then they're a blob, but... <laughs> And then you have I guess your it story. depends on which draft it is. Exactly. Which there might be a blob in draft one, but they'll oh, be yeah. muscly and, and uh, strong by draft ten. Woo. Oh, boy. Oh, geez. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Keeping a chip on your shoulder. When you have a manuscript rejected, treat it as a personal insult. No way. You should not do this. Those that break through this cycle and obtain a career 
have this crazy idea that they can recover, even learn from rejection, and use it as motivation to write better. Yeah. This is 150% true. I mean, I'm still going yeah. through this. I am so critical of my own work, even now. I had an author tell me something, and I will never forget it, because she was like, look at the book as being a person on the dating scene. It could be a very nice person. There could be nothing wrong with this person. It could be very functional, with a great income, who's extremely put together. But it's just a reality that not everyone will want to marry this one person. Ooh, like, that's like genius. That. <laughs> that's genius. I want that on my wall, please. I need to have it like written down word for word and then just post it on my wall of quotes. That yeah, because she was like, it's just not realistic with people, so why do we expect it of our work? And I was like, yes. Thank you. So basically you want to make a novel as a Tinder date as something that is not... Not perfect, but it's not for like, everyone. But, but it's for the right someone. Yeah, exactly, and will draw you in for some reason. Interesting. Right for the market only. There's a saying in publishing that the moment yeah. you spot a trend, it's too late to join. When you finish That's writing true. something popular, it will have already sailed away. A hundred and ninety percent true, because mm -hmm. that is also the same thing with the film industry and TV industry. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Writers are market conscious. They know that publishers are in this business to make money and return on their investments in a new writer, and they want writers with fresh voices, mm -hmm. which they say explore all facets of a story. They concentrate on the feeling of the story as well as the writing and read a variety of material. These writers read outside their genre, even poetry, not to find out what's hot, but to expand their stylistic range. Mm -hmm. I'm always telling filmmakers, I'm like, you've got to find your aesthetic, yeah. your creative aesthetic. So you have to go all through all of these things to figure out what your true aesthetic is so yeah. then you can market your aesthetic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Next one they said is, take as many shortcuts as possible. No. You shouldn't do that. No. no. They, uh, apologies if I, with how I'm phrasing this. No worries. Ebooks and ease. Ebooks and... Uh, <clears throat> With ebooks and ease in which anything can be published, writers have a new ways of not to write a novel that's worth reading. Mm -hmm. All these new ways relieves a lot of the pressure of the chip on your shoulder attitude that's just a dumb double whammy. Yeah. Other writers will use these ways to foolishly vet their work. Use test readers. The writer doesn't trust themselves in any way and need objective readers to figure out ways to fix things. And then hire a good freelance editor. They know the big benefit of a traditional publisher is professional editing, so it's worth to Mm -hmm. find a reputable freelance editor and to go over their work. So basically it's like you need to pick and choose something that's reputable, something that yeah. is, you know, has a lot of Right, right. Back Even though you can <laughs> self-publish and you could just go out with your first draft, that's mm -hmm. not going to no. benefit no. Yeah. you as a writer. It's not going to benefit your audience. Yeah. And it's not going to grow you. Exactly. Needed to clarify it since they worded it weirdly on the article. They, yeah, so. <laughs> they worded everything in the positive that they're saying don't do. Exactly. <laughs> That's what brings down, okay, the statistics you were reading earlier mm -hmm. about, like, the writer's income, where it's like, well, yeah, because people like J.K. Rowling and James Patterson, that average is going to go way up because they've got their hand on the scale, so to speak. The same goes with so many writers who put out, like, half-baked, for lack of a better word, half-baked work. Because mm -hmm. the whole other statistic it gave about how the average book sells only 500, that's because there's just so many of them out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it's a matter of, like, no, like, take the time to create something truly good. Like, your audience isn't going anywhere. Like, yes. there will always be people to read it. Yes. Yeah. So, exactly. And the final thing, quit. <laughs> <laughs> published, authors, <laughs> published authors will tell you that it's all about perseverance. The one, the one characteristic that all successful writers share. 
If you got a pen and paper or a computer and a keyboard, as long as you can write, you have a chance at being published. Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 mm -hmm. yes, yes. <laughs> so how about the more positives of the eight novel writing tips for beginners? So this is from the Writing Cooperative from 2018. Get organized. Pick a space, idealistically distraction-free. Mm -hmm. You want to create a path of the least resistance for getting your work done. Highly believe that. I need to work on my own. Choose a filing system. Finding the right programs for creating and saving your work is most important. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Some popular options include the Scrivener, if I'm pronouncing that right, mm -hmm. Evernote, Microsoft OneNote, Google Drive, and yeah. Dropbox. What's yeah, the one that those you are use? all cloud-based. Google Drive. Google Drive, yeah. I've used Google um, Drive a good portion of the time. There's nice little files I can put things in, like mm -hmm. here are the drafts of just poems on their own, here are the manuscripts, here's... Yeah, right. it's great. Exactly. Ready your writing toolbox. They divided this in two categories, physical and digital. With the physical, there's legal pads, variety of pens, writing journal, <laughs> sticky notes and note cards in multiple colors, bulletin boards, and push bins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have all of those. Chelsea's I, a very tactile person, so... Yeah. I have a bunch of journals that I carry everywhere I go. I probably should divide which journal is which, but whenever there's just something that happens, yeah. I just write it down immediately. Yeah. But then I file fold it afterwards in some big filing folders underneath my desk, so... <laughs> Amy's giving me the look. Uh, digital, they have the Hemingway app, which tests the reading level and reading level and simplifying the language. Hmm. And they also have. Oh, I think that would be beneficial if you're trying to write for a specific age group. Yeah. Yes. And then they also have Grammarly, which I've heard of yes. this one. The best to use for grammar and punctuation checking. Yeah. Yes, that is my struggle a lot. <laughs> Put your thinking cap on. Once you have an idea, Identify an appropriate genre for the concept, then mm -hmm. take a look at the demand and other authors, authors working in that genre. If it's a market that's saturated, ensure that yours is an original take mm -hmm. and unique spin to the subject. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. As much as people shit on Twilight, that was a unique take on it, vampires. It, it was. was something that hadn't been done before. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. It was, oh gosh, have you watched Lindsay Ellis? her YouTube video, I'm Sorry, Stephanie Meyer? No. Oh. It's really interesting. Like... I think it's like a 20 minute video, mm -hmm. food for thought. Cause she's like, yeah, it's not like fine high literature, but like how much of it is like deserved criticism and how much of it is how much the culture just loves to mock teen girls. Right. And, so, and the thing is, is that one of the things that made her book so good wasn't necessarily just her original take on a vampire novel, was the fact that it was dealing with, again, angsty teen love. Yes. And that is something that, girls all relate to and mm -hmm. so that's why mm -hmm. girls of all women of all ages read those books because we all related to what bella was going through yes well moving on forward creative marketing strategy marketing is key if you want others to be able to find read and share your work very crucial for anyone who would like writing to become their primary source of income so you get you definitely got to be creative with how things are yeah. published and things like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Write an outline. This is very important. There are different ways that you can do it. You could do the traditional outline in sections where you go break it down like the next paragraph, the next paragraph, kind of mm -hmm. where they do with the break it down in Word yeah. doc. Or you can use a note cards 
for each scene. Yes. This is a tactic I actually use. I do that as well. I will write the scene down on note cards and just lay it all out. I like, literally will just like lay it all over the floor and have it like trail all, all around me. All the things that need to happen, I put on the cards because like at mm-hmm. some point I'm like, well, I have to move this up here. Exactly. And they're all color coded as to which character each event develops. Nice. Like, <laughs> I like that. It's I that broad strokes um, outline. Yeah. Because otherwise I'll get too detailed. And I'm wasting too much time outlining and not writing it. I get in, I go in between of just the Microsoft outline or the note cards. But mm-hmm. I'm a very detailed person that I will just get ways into the details because I'm just yeah. like that. So I'm working on trying to be a little bit more broad. But I do a mixture of the two. The yeah. note cards one really helps. Hold yourself accountable. You've made a commitment to writing. Here are a few things to hold yourself accountable to make sure that you do it. Set a daily word count goal. Use a to-do list to set dead deadlines. Some apps they have recommended were Wonderlist. Mm. That's with a U and not a O. <laughs> I was about to say zero. Yes, I've used Wonderlist before for uh, working with some of my yes. clients to keep them on task. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. and Strides app, which is one I've never heard of before. So, interesting. I just use the reminders on my phone. Mm. Join a local writing group or writing group on Facebook. I actually have my writing group still through UCLA. And then, as we know, Morgan, she got her start through Facebook. So. Yes. <laughs> it was nice because there were people reading it that were like, oh, okay. Where I, it was funny, and I knew I had, like, an obligation at one point where I hadn't written for a couple of mm. days. And people were messaging the inbox like, are you okay? Oh, <laughs> right. So they were helping cute. hold you accountable. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Like, hey, your audience is here, and yeah. we'd like to see more. Mm-hmm. Team up with a friend and be each other's writing partners. Uh, I have, like I said, I have my group from UCLA that uh, we switch um, pages and we help each other out. And then there's a couple people that I know, actually, through my boxing that are writing partners as well. Oh, fun. And they do some uh, writing stuff. It's mostly comedy, but they yeah. do writing as well. So, yeah, it's very helpful. Block off writing time on your calendar and make sure your friends and family are aware of these times. Yes. Yes. And this was a very interesting one. They also recommended Cold Turkey Writer. Uh, if you've ever heard of like a, um, like, there was an app, I can't remember its name, where it would block off the internet or things that you would oh, that's distract awesome. yourself mm-hmm. until a certain timer. This is a program that works as a word processor to block access to your computer until you have hit a specific word count. Only if you're having trouble. So it's something to help distract, block yeah. distractions and stuff like that. Yeah. That would be interesting, but I need a lot of stimulation around, yeah. ironically, what I'm working. Otherwise, I yeah. would be in my own head. Okay. And the final thing, start writing. <laughs> this is what you want. It's what you prepare for. This is why you read this article. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Love Perfect. It. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. The Writing Cooperative. <laughs> Alrighty. Woo. Well, we did that research and we found that big chunk. Is there anything that we have for Hashtag Hunt? Oh, we have stuff for Hashtag Hunt. Yay! Before I get into Hashtag Hunt, though, I had one more thing that I wanted to share that I found when I was preparing for this episode. Oh. And it's actually just um, off of your website, Morgan. Oh, gosh. And, you know, it starts by talking about, you know, her accomplishments and, you know, her, where she's gone. And then I just was dying when I read this. 
Morgan ran away with her husband's circus for a year, but now works at a school library, which is not all that different. It really isn't. She is perpetually searching for new favorite words, more black clothing, and the perfect design for her next tattoo. This gave me a perfect idea of who I was going to meet today. <laughs> I I want to hear about the circus. Yeah, that's the thing. You've never, in all the times we've had class together in Arrow, you've I've never talked about that circus. I told um, our other instructor, I told Chelsea. Yeah, the other was, Chelsea. She had actually seen the Cirque du Soleil show that my husband was in, like, years back. Wow. And, like, lost her mind. And then I brought him in for a yoga class with her, and she was like, he's, I just, I'm so excited to be, and, and he left, she's like, I freaked him out. I'm like, he thought you were lovely, you're fine. That's adorable. Um, yeah, did that you, was a thing. Did you travel uh, with him while he was doing his yeah, work? We wow. lived in Germany for a year, which cool. was fun. Just like touring around, um, which is another reason I was able to get so much writing done. It was actually really, nice. there were immense highs and like really low lows. Mm -hmm. Like I'd been employed since the age of 15. Yeah. And, and so like not. to go somewhere and not have a job because you don't speak the language well enough to, and also you're moving from city to city was like rough because there's no way to not have it feel like in some way you don't have any autonomy. However, like the mass amounts of time I got to like draft, like there are still poetry books that I drafted in Germany. That's now two years ago that I have not put out yet um, because that was literally just all there was to do. And speaking of regiment, it was really funny. There was a cafe I used to go to every night to go write and my phone like automatically like, because it tracked me with GPS, knowing that I would go there regularly at the same time was like, oh, it's almost time for work at Cafe Gold Bar. Are you ready? Like, <laughs> I was like this is adorable. Oh my um, goodness. So, but yeah, it was... Love it. He's a computer programmer now. Um, mm -hmm. What happened was he had been in the circus for a long time before we met. And then when we met, he was getting pretty disenchanted with it. But he wasn't quite ready to change over his jobs quite yet. Um, one of the companies that he's with, which is called GOP, by the way, they have okay. no clue what it means. They're German. And they really <laughs> wonder why American political pages are liking things with their hashtag. Um, <laughs> anyways, that's fun. Um, so yeah, he was about to go on a year long contract shortly after we got married. And they were like, well, does she want to come? She can live with you for free. Ooh. And you just don't say no to that. And so my, my work was actually really sweet. It's the same school I work at now. Um, and they were like, you have to go. And so I quit thinking I was just leaving that place for good. And then when I came back, the position in the library that I wanted had opened up. And they emailed. They're like, so we hear you're back in town. Um, <laughs> so that was fun. But yeah, it was a blast. It, see, it's funny because people ask for stories, but it just feels really normal. Mm-hmm. Which I realize it's not, but because it was like a day-to-day -day thing for so long, I'm like, oh yeah, like, the it German was, circus troupe. Like, it was your new normal. It was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so it was. We shared like a whole house in Munich with everyone. Wow. So yeah. Nice. Well, that just really uh, gave me a clue as to who to expect coming in today. Um, I, I think you. it's a great description. <laughs> yeah. Um, gave me more of who she was because I wasn't aware of all that stuff in the beginning. I knew she loved her black like, clothing and I know she loved to get tattoos, but well, I didn't know. Especially with the aerial yoga thing, it feels like pulling rank to be like, my husband was in Cirque du Soleil. And so, <laughs> like, 
Also, everyone expects you to be better when you say that. Right. Well, I, mean, I, I said my husband was. Well, and Kaylee was asking at one point, one of the instructors was like, you're really hard on yourself, and I just want to know why. And I told her, I'm like, I spent, like, a long period of time consistently watching people do this professionally. And she was like, this makes so much sense. And that's so- right. No, that's a better excuse than just being very hard on yourself. I'm pointing at myself right now where I get oh. very hard on myself and I just, like, start crying. I'm like, You're I can't like, get this. so freaking strong, though. I watch you, like, go through all these things and I'm like, I can get through half of that. <laughs> oh. I can do exactly half. Oh, that's very sweet. Well, you have more of the finesse and, like, the curvature of, like, the positions and everything. I'm just like, let's get through this. I want to throw it as much as possible. <laughs> all right, you were saying, Amy? <laughs> <laughs> so we're ready to move on to hashtag hunt. Yes, we are. This is the portion of our show where we put in the hashtag of the episode and we see what pops up in social media. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. So for hashtag novelist, here's what I found. Every time I write a book, I put my feet in different shoes. Mm-hmm. Marikami. Oh, yes. Love him. Oh, when I was a kid, anyone who had a book on a shelf at Barnes & Noble was someone special. Aww. I don't know if that's the case with me, but I'm very proud of this. Hashtag novelist, hashtag published author, Aww. and it, he included a photo of his book on Barnes & Noble's website. Oh, that's Aww. adorable. That's awesome. I haven't done a hashtag follow post for a while, and I've missed so many hashtag follow Fridays due to being on holiday. Are you a poet or a writer, a novelist, a reader, lover of books? Tell me what your passion is. Introduce yourself and make some new friends. Hashtag mm-hmm. writing community. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Nice. The naysayers say, movies are a fad. Audiences really want to see live actors on a stage. Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. He really said this, then went on to prove himself wrong. Never give up. Hashtag novelist, hashtag fiction fantasy writer. Yes. (laughs) Behind every great novelist is, and this will be included in our social media when the episode comes out. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful comic showing all of these things. Childhood trauma. Yes. Miserable (laughs) job. Moment of self-discovery. Episode of debauchery. (laughs) Pathologic ambition. Mm Mm-hmm. Loyal pet, Aww. neglected spouse, <laughs> personal demons, yeah. years of boring hard work. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's Please. like bingo. <laughs> right? <laughs> You're just waiting for that chance where you get the prize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wednesday wisdom. My formula for success is rise early, work late, and strike oil. J. Paul Getty. Ooh. It's free. No commitment. View one of my modules of my new online video course, Emotional Mastery for Fiction Writers. Just scroll down to the curriculum. Ah. I thought that that was an interesting um, course and pitch (laughs) for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. It's like the the master class that's now blowing up so much on digital media. Everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. Hmm. Uh Uh-huh. And that was by... Leo Tolstoy. Ooh. Got a lot of work done today. These shadows of mine is still on track for the end of October. Mm-hmm. I am so excited. This has been a real twisted labor of love. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag indie author. Hashtag grind. Yeah, that's all novel writing. All writing in general, is it not? Mm. Right? 
Got a bit of writing in this weekend, going back and adding a character to help bring everyone together to oh, face gosh. the climax. Uh-uh. Getting excited to transition from build-up to the real action. My whip is now just short of 54,000 words. <laughs> and it took me a lot of reading hashtags to figure out what whip was. W-I-P. Yeah. Work in progress. Yes. I thought it was a way more literary term for like one of the characters where I, I yeah. didn't know this term and I was going to come here and ask you both it today. And then I finally figured it out. Like, oh, work in progress. Work in progress, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. My mind was starting to go with the, and then yours was like, yeah, no, it's working progress. Different way. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then to end it off, a quote by Jody Picot. Mm. You might not write well every day, mm. but you can always edit a bad page. You can't edit a blank page. Yep, that's very yes. true. It's very true. And that's all I have for hashtag hunt. Ooh, alrighty. Well, now we're going to turn it to you, Morgan. At the end of each episode, we do something that we like to call challenges, where the guest gives us a challenge to do related to the episode, if they can or if they want, or they can make it to anything else that they think would be great. Okay, you can pick. You can either uproot some poetry from your childhood (laughs) and read that, or, or you can read the lyrics to the favorite song you had in junior high as if you would... Rereading it at a poetry slam. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, am I going to be going through my Paramore and my uh, Black Parade phase with my Chemical Romance? <laughs> Maybe more Green Day, actually. Oh, Green Day. Green Day would be really good for poetry slam. Let's be it's honest. It's okay. It doesn't have to be good for poetry slam. It could. One, 20, one. I guns. would have in sync. Raise up your and arms. Just be like reading. Put up the fight. <laughs> Every little thing I do <laughs> never seems enough for you. Uh, I'm definitely going to do that second one because <laughs> I reread my childhood writing every time I come across it. And I have a whole stack of it right up there that I just brought back from my mom's house, including. Oh, Oh, she's, she's getting up the chair. She's grabbing something. This is so intense. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It'll be so fucking worth it too. I spent an hour with my friend the other night rereading this. Oh no. So junior high, one of my friends made me, a magazine cover as my birthday card because she bought me a subscription to it for my birthday. Ah. I then made the magazine to go inside of it. (gasps) Wow! (laughs) Yes. So here's Amy's issue of Young and Modern (laughs) with me on the cover because that's what my friend drew. She said exclusive new star Amy Covell. Perfect party starring Amy. New designer fashions worn by Amy. Oh my goodness. And then to return or not to return did you get the perfect gift for Amy? So that meant I needed to write all of those cover articles. That's adorable. But then I also added a bunch. Oh my goodness. So I put you know from the cover I have my interview. I have, um, you know, all the other articles that were from the cover. And then the additional features I had, Ask Amy, Ask Her Friends, Amy's Favorites in Movies, Makeup, Music, Clothes, etc. What's in and what's out in Stockton, California. (gasps) Where to shop. Um, I included some of my own songs in here. Uh, Quizzes. Amy, how well do you know her? Uh, how slang sl- smart are you? 
and do you have Amy friend potential? Oh and I also gosh. include a, a contest where you could win a t-shirt signed by Amy. And I included the details for the contest. And even on, I, I made, I put in, this is so detailed, ads. I made a Revlon ad for a bunch of lipsticks. Um, I, oh, on Amy's favorites, that's my actual makeup smeared onto oh. each, onto the page. Wow. Right? Uh, I, I went all out and in the back, I even have the ads you would find in the back of magazines. I've got a little ad for Delia's. Oh. We have the All Stars Hotline, which was a 900 number where you could call and hear the updates from their fan clubs. We have an ad for Model Search. Wow. This is amazing. <laughs> right? That this is the kind of kid I was. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely be posting this. So that's why mm -hmm. I say I'm going to take challenge number two <gasps> because I need to pick something that I wouldn't have thought of doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, junior high, you say? Okay. Yes. Hmm. I'm going to have to look because I know what a lot of my favorite to... music was in high school. I've got to think harder on junior high because junior high was a real tough time for me. And so I think I was very much follow the crowd. Mm -hmm. So I'll probably go with freshman year of high school when I went back to me. Mm -hmm. So I see some counting crows yeah. coming. I, some I, Amy hit the atmosphere. He, he, he. I see. I would love to say Marianne's Trench, but that was college, not high school. So mm -hmm. I think with me it was probably more... Green Day. Uh, you oh, mentioned Black Parade. Black Parade a that little bit. That would probably work great for this. That would probably work great. We need to video this, though, and put it on our social media. Because <laughs> it's supposed to be us doing it in the style of a poetry slam. Yes, yes. Um, I, I do have some embarrassing videos of when I practice poetry slam that people would film in our English class. Well, you don't have to post those. You just have to do the new one we're doing. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Well, I'll have to dive into because there was also like <laughs> Hillary Duff and like some other popish people. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, my junior high, like I think the only the only things I can think of that came out when I was in junior high that I actually had a real connection and affinity to would maybe maybe Mariah Carey's Butterfly album. Oh yeah, and don't forget about us, Spice Girls. I was supposed to say, like, please, can we please slam? Wannabe? That would be awesome if the three of us I wanna. poetry slam. I wanna. My? I wanna. I wanna. I wanna. I wanna. Wanna. Oh sick is sick. Well, okay. Thank you so much, Morgan, for coming today. Morgan. This has been a blast. This is actually oh, one of my favorite blast. episodes. Yay! Yay! This was a joy. This was awesome. I loved it. Um, and I'm sure our audience will enjoy it as much as we did, especially now that they get to see these hilarious videos of us going back in time and uh, really taking it seriously. Yes, very. Because, like, yeah, we can laugh as much as we want about the stuff we listened to when we were, like, 12. But I'm like, when I was 12, that was profound. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? it was. When you're very young, you're impressionable. And yeah. you have things that are just like, oh, my gosh. Ah! A little bit, yeah. <laughs> now I just want to say, ah, real monsters! Ah! 
Do you remember watching that show? No. no. <laughs> it, to, it was a cartoon on Nickelodeon. Uh, oh, wait. No, I know which one you're talking about. Oh, shoot. I missed the joke entirely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's fun. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you so much, Morgan, for coming oh, on today. You, Where can people find you and read your work? Uh, yes. You can find me on Instagram. The handle is Morgan Nicola Wren. Um, I've been shifting more to Instagram than I have on Facebook. Or on Twitter, my handle is Ren and Inc. That's Ren is spelled W-R-E-N. And we will, of course, include those in the description of this episode. And you have four books currently available on Amazon right now. Yeah. The latest one, Poems from the Attic, was the most fun to write. And that one's got accompanying art. It's just like a little mixtape of a lot of poems that couldn't fit in previous or upcoming projects. Right. So that one's really fun. Nice. Awesome. Well, you can find us at Life Goals Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yes. And if there's any other, like, hashtags or things you want to talk about, you feel free to email us at lifegoalspod at gmail.com. And that's the end of the episode. And until then, I am Chelsea Wingo. And I'm Amy Covell. And this has been Hashtag Life Goals. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.